Good morning. I'm the Reverend Amy Richter. And I'm the Reverend Joe Pagano. And this is a service of morning prayer for Sunday, March 27th. Thank you for joining us today. Cast your burden upon the Lord. And God will sustain you. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. And take not your Holy Spirit from me. Give me the joy of your saving help again. And sustain me with your bountiful spirit. Blessed be the Lord day by day. The God of our salvation who bears our burdens. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs." He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come back. And your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. 
His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In our gospel lesson for today, Jesus is involved in another one of his famous disputes with the Pharisees and the scribes. You see, the Pharisees and the scribes, the upright, uptight religious folks of the day, were complaining about Jesus, saying, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. It just didn't seem right. It just didn't seem fair that Jesus would welcome and eat with tax collectors and sinners. And how does Jesus respond to this complaint? He says, listen, I've got a story for you. I love this about Jesus. He doesn't say things like, Now tell me, Fred, why does it bother you when I eat with sinners and tax collectors? Do you somehow feel threatened by this? Do you think that if I love them so much that I won't be able to love you as well? Jesus also doesn't outline his six-point plan for the moral improvement of Palestinian society. No, he says, listen to this story. A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. This story, of course, is the parable of the prodigal son. This is perhaps Jesus' most well-known and well-loved story. Charles Dickens called the parable of the prodigal son the greatest story ever told. The poet Robert Bridges says it is a flawless piece of art. And yet, our very familiarity with this story has caused it to lose its edge We've heard this story so many times that its shock value has worn off. What was originally a story that probably shocked and offended the religious sensibilities of his time has now come to seem like a quaint fable about everybody deserving a second chance. And just like that, we take a story about the outrageous, lavish, astonishing grace of God, and reduce it to a morality tale about people deserving a second chance. As Tom Long says, taken this way, though, 
the story of the prodigal son, becomes a predictable piece of self-help advice. Once the boy lifts himself up out of the muck and heads home, the rest of the plot locks into place. The father is obliged, like a cuckoo in a clock, to show up at the right time with the party hats. There is no other choice. The boy, after all, is really, really sincere, and he is making a comeback. He is due his celebration. But he is not due anything. The parable is primarily a story about the nature of God, not the nature of human beings. The parable is really not a story about the prodigal son, but rather about the loving father. And it is a shocking love, a love that goes beyond our puny categories of human worth and merit, a love that transforms our petty understandings of right and wrong. To hear the story rightly, we have to remember it begins with the younger son basically coming to his father and saying, I wish you were dead. You see, in the Judaism of Jesus' day, it was the custom that the younger son would receive his inheritance at the time of his father's death. So, when the younger son in the story says, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me, the younger son is saying, I wish you were dead right now, Dad. Let's just act as if you were dead, okay, so that I can have my money now. This is not just a story about a wayward youth. It is a story about a father who still loves his son after his son wishes that his father was dead. And yet, in the beauty and artistry of the story, It is not the father who is said to be dead, but the son. The son squandered his inheritance and was living amongst the swine and was dying of hunger. So the son comes up with a scheme. He rehearses his speech. He'll go to his father and he'll say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as you would treat one of your hired servants. A nice little scheme. A couple of well-intoned mea culpas, and he'll be back in the house, at least. And there were provisions in Judaism for the restoration of a returning penitent. Bread and water to live on, sackcloth and ashes, kneeling and tears. So the son, who wished his father dead, who squandered the money his father gave him, hatches a plan. He'll fall on his knees, tearfully confess his sins, and then he will be allowed back as a penitent, living on bread and water. Better than eating with the pigs. But the son never gets to put his plan into action. Before the son can get his calculated speech out, his father sees him in the distance. 
You see, the father had never stopped looking for and loving his son. So when the father sees his son in the distance, he does not wait for the son to come to him groveling on his knees. No, Jesus tells us that the father is filled with compassion and runs out to his son and embraces him and kisses him. Before the son even has a chance to open his mouth with his pre-planned confession, the father embraces him and forgives him. Eventually, the son spits out the words, but the father doesn't treat him as a penitent deserving sackcloth and ashes and fit only for bread and water. Rather, the father gives him his finest robe, puts a ring on his finger, slaughters the fattened calf, and throws an enormous feast. The father, whose son has had wished him dead, says, This son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. This is not a story about a prodigal son. This is a story about a loving father whose love goes beyond anything we can imagine. And the older son saw the love of his father for his wayward brother, saw his father welcome back and forgive and celebrate with his good-for-nothing, deadbeat, wasted brother. And he said, it's not fair. It just wasn't fair. He had stuck with his father all these years. He had worked his property. Never once did he disobey his father. He was so angry that he refused to go into the house and join the party for the younger son. He stood outside the house and brooded. It just wasn't fair. And it wasn't fair. So what does the father do? Does he leave the older son outside the house, outside the celebration to sit and stew in his own self-righteous anger? Perhaps that's what a human father might do in a human story. And isn't that we, isn't that what we who have heard this story so many times tend to do? Don't we like to beat up on the self-righteous, bean-counting older brother who doesn't know that this is a story about grace and forgiveness? Don't we like to kick around all the smug and self-righteous folks we know Call them Pharisees. Call them nasty older brothers. Call them pietistic sticks in the mud. Don't we who know the story of the prodigal son like to kick around the older brother whenever we get the chance? Mean old unforgiving self-righteous older brother. But that's not how the story story ends. Because it's not really a story about the sons. It's not a story about human understanding. It's a story about the father. It's a story about the love and grace and mercy of God that will not be subject to our human notions of right and wrong. It's a story about God breaking our human rules of what would be enough of what people deserve, of what people should earn for themselves. It's a story of God replacing the world of merit 
with a world of grace. So in this story of the loving father, the father does not leave the older son standing outside the house, outside the party, stewing in his own self-righteous anger. Rather, Jesus tells us the father went out to his older son, like he went out to his younger son. He listened to his older son's hurt and anger. And when he speaks to him, he does not reprimand him for his lack of mercy. Rather, he loves him. He tells him, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. In God's love, no one is left out. The embrace of the younger son does not mean the rejection of the older son. The love of sinners and tax collectors does not negate at all the love of Pharisees and scribes. Such is the amazing, astounding, shocking love of God. We may find it difficult not to be offended by God's grace to other people, especially if we have serious questions about those people's conduct and character. To thus and to them, the Father says, My son, you are here with me always. Everything I have is yours. But now we must celebrate and rejoice because your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and has been found. Amen.
With confidence and trust, let us pray to the Lord, saying, Lord, have mercy. For the one holy Catholic and apostolic church throughout the world, we pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the mission of the church, that in faithful witness it may preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, we pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those preparing for baptism and for their teachers and sponsors, we pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For peace in the world, and especially we pray today for Ukraine, that a spirit of respect and reconciliation may grow among nations and peoples, we pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the poor, the persecuted, the sick, and all who suffer. And we remember in our prayers today, Melvin, Denise, Glenn, Audrey, Diane, Cecil, George, Shirley, Janelle, Noreen, Clarence, John, Anne, Audrey, Donna, Dave, Suzanne, Cody, Penny, Danielle, Sean, Howard, Byron, Pat, Eric, and Sadie, Doug, Sean, Kim, Doug, Connie, Deanna, Stuart, Herb, Dorcas, Connor, Irving, Marion, Debbie, Robert, Wayne, Jennifer, Stephanie, Nina, Carolyn, Bob, Joe, Percy, Doreen, Paul, Joe, Percy, all those who are sick with COVID, and any you wish to name now out loud or silently. We pray for refugees, prisoners, and all in danger, that they may be relieved and protected. We pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all whom we have injured or offended, we pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. For grace to amend our lives and to further the reign of God, we pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. Grant a peaceful end and eternal rest to all who are dying, and your comfort to those who mourn. And we pray especially for the repose of the souls of Rita Bride Pike and Marilyn Cheeseman. We pray to you, Lord. Lord, have mercy. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Yeah.
Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace in believing through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.